Welcome to Sports Medicine Weekly on 670 The Score, your on-air resource for fitness, nutrition, and injury prevention and treatments for today's weekend warrior and professional athletes with renowned specialist of elbows, knees, and shoulders, Dr. Brian Cole, along with other health and fitness leaders, and your host, Steve Cashel. Sports Medicine Weekly, heard every Saturday morning at 8 a.m. right here on 670 The Score. Welcome in on this Saturday morning, another edition of Sports Medicine Weekly here on 670 The Score. I'm Steve Cashel, your Chicago Bulls radio host, joined as usual by my co-host, Dr. Brian Cole. He is the head team physician with the Chicago Bulls, one of the team physicians for the Chicago White Sox, sports medicine specialist, orthopedic surgeon with Midwest Orthopedics at Rush and Rush University Medical Center. How was your week, Dr. Cole? It was awesome, Steve. It good, was good, awesome. Good. Trying to stay warm, just looking for spring, but it was oh, awesome. Oh, my goodness. It's going to start getting there. I feel it, right? I mean, it's, it's supposed to. Yeah. My, son, my son was saying the other night, it's like everything just shifted to the right. You know what I mean? Like we started <laughs> yeah. winter late, and then it just goes on forever. All right. It's going to start getting better and better and better. Yeah. I feel it. Hey, let's yeah. get right to this. We have a lot to do in our show, and of course, a staple at the end, our Ask the Doctor segment will tell you how to get involved. But uh, right now, we're going to talk about nutrition bars. This is just a great topic, and we have no one better to do it with than Karen Mulkin. Karen Mulkin is outstanding, uh, board certified, and our uh, nutrition coach. Karen, how are you this morning? I'm doing well, thanks. Well, you make a heck of a nutrition bar. We want to tell people about that. You can tell people what's in it and how to get it, but um, let's... The topic is, are all nutrition bars created equal? And I'm going to tell you and tell our listeners that you're going to say there's no way, and I know there's no way, but you're the expert on it. What do you look for, first question, in a nutrition bar? So you have to read your labels and look for recognizable real food ingredients. You know, nuts, seeds, nut butters, like cashew butter, organic peanut butter, almond butter, sunflower butter, maybe oats, whole grains, some dried fruit, greens, chia seeds, flax seeds, maca, spirulina, goji berries, superfoods, and maybe they'll sweeten it with like cherries or dates, which will add some more fiber. And I look for bars that are higher in protein and high in fiber and low in sugar. So when you read a bar and you're thinking, oh, this is a great bar, it's got you know, 15 grams of protein and only 3 grams of sugar, you have to really read the ingredient label and see what they're actually sweetening them with because sometimes they, they sweeten with, like, sugar alcohols, like mannitol, sorbitol. Those, those sugar alcohols, you know, can be safe, but they could really wreak havoc on people's digestive tracts and really cause stomach aches, especially, like, mine. So I think you have to really be careful with what they're sweetening with. Sweetening with. Um, oats are a healthy, cheap filler, which is why some bars sell for, you know, $1.99 and, you know, my bar sells for 4 bucks. So you really want a nutrient-dense bar reading the labels that have healthy fats that are going to satiate you for hours. I also will look at the refrigerated, refrigerated section first, and I look for bars that are preserved for freshness. Because I don't want to eat a bar that's got a two-year shelf life. Like, how could that be right. real food? Yeah, yeah. that's that, that's crazy. It's like they're petrified. It's like petrified space food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, the interesting thing is that when you look at the labels, like you said, I recently I was doing a project on, for uh, in a nutrition space. And so I, I went to uh, Whole Foods, Costco, GNC to do uh, for, for a presentation. And I did a video. Uh, I just took a video walking down the aisle 
in mm. the in the bar section, mm-hmm. and there's so there's no there's very little product differentiation, and a lot of it, you know, my basic feeling is is marketing, and when you look at them, I, at least half of them are equivalent to candy bars, right? Oh I mean, yeah. If you if you compare, you know, the simple carbohydrates, artificial food uh, flavoring and so forth, coloring to make it palatable, because it's really that's the thing. I you know look I. Uh, I mean, I, the reason I like your transformation bar because it's it's it 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 tastes good and you know that it's real stuff. It's very. I, I mean, I'd be really interested to know from like a food chemistry side how you actually nailed it and how you got who helped you if you did it all yourself because these are it's complicated to make something taste good and be healthy at the same time, especially when you're packing it into a to a bar and it's so dense is really hard from a process point of view. So I think you nailed it. I use it, you know, I will tell you that I have a, in my back, my computer bag, I have a pocket because I I basically never sit to eat a meal during the day. You know, it's usually, yeah. I, I eat, you know, sort of small things all day. I never sit for a period of time to eat just because I'm either seeing patients or doing surgery all day. And uh, so I don't, I use it as one of my main snacks. I don't necessarily use it as a meal replacement because I just got to keep eating all day for fuel. But like I'll do it in the morning from, I'll have breakfast typically about six o'clock in the morning. And the next thing I eat is one of your bars, like 10 a.m. And then the mm-hmm. next thing is like lunch, like 12, 1 o'clock. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you advocate for meal replacement or not. But how But how do you, like when you initially designed it, did you say this is what I want and work with a, a third-party manufacturer? I'm, just, I'm really curious how you get to the point where you develop something this good and something that can, you know, sort of satisfy all the right sort of food groups. Yeah, and it's an, it's an interesting story because it wasn't my intention. I And I think you've tried my cranberry oat bars, my yes. raw cacao truffles, my coconut truffles, my grain-free brownies. I make all these homemade snacks that are made, you know, with real ingredients. And I meet with my clients, and this is what I give them. I feed them, and I give them healthy snacks to take home that need to be refrigerated. And they want a bar. They said, do you have something? I'm going on vacation. I need a bar. Do you have something that I could give to my my teenager or my athlete to to a pre-workout before they have practice? So I sort of created created two bars, the Omega Meal Bar and the Transformation Bar, out of this desire because I, I could I needed to package what I'm already making. Right. So the transformation bar is is the closest to my homemade bars and that's basically what they are. It's my recipe, found a place to make it and you know, just you just go you gotta go back and forth a lot. But I think we nailed this one and I just I just love it so much. And I'm I'm looking for bars on the market because I'd like to recommend other bars. You know, I'm right. Right. You know, going I went, yesterday I went to Whole Foods. I knew we were going to be talking, and I was looking at the back. You know, I saw an interesting bar with, like, sweet potato, coconut, beet, and cacao, and then I eat it, and I was like, oh, this isn't even good. Right. But right. it looks good. You know, the marketing's great, and it's all fresh ingredients. So, yeah, it's healthy. I would say eat it. Um, but I just I can't find one that tastes great and is also clean. Visiting with Karen Malkin here on Sports Medicine Weekly. She is a board-certified health coach and environmental toxin specialist. I'm Steve Cashel with Dr. Brian Cole. We're subject here in our opening uh, segment, are all nutrition bars created equal? Karen has a wonderful transformation bar. So, Karen, uh, where can we purchase these bars? And uh, another question along with that, maybe before I even tell us where we could buy them, what should we be avoiding? We talked about what's in your bar and uh, some things we should find in a bar, but w- what, what are some of the um, automatics that we should be looking for? We see that, we shouldn't buy it. So you want to avoid artificial sweeteners. So aspartame, which is equal, saccharin, um, NutraSweet, Splenda, stevia, and monk fruit are a much safer alternative. 
Um, also, you want to avoid isolated soy protein because it's chemically processed and genetically engineered. Whole forms of soy are a great alternative. They're super heart healthy. Um, you have to also look for healthy whey if you're going to, if you can eat dairy and casein. If you're going to buy a whey protein bar, you want to make sure that it's non-hormone fed cows or healthy cows that, um, you know, will give you, will yield a quality whey protein. So you really have to know your sources, read your labels. If you buy organic, you know it's non-GMO. Um, and that's what I would recommend, really just reading those labels. Right. Let me let me ask you your what 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 is your protein uh, in in, in so the mine is a, a organic rice protein, and it's you know it's so it's a vegetable it's a vegetable it's protein. a vegan it's vegan it's a vegan yeah. protein mine, mine is or, vegan non GMO it's made with cashew butter almonds cherries rice protein those chocolate chips that you taste are unsweetened raw cacao chunks no sugar at all but when you mix it with the dried cherries. It makes it taste sweet. It's, a, right. it's kind of like a miracle that they taste so sweet because it's really not. If you ate raw cacao nibs, they taste like coffee beans. They're so bitter. And then I added like flaxseed and spirulina and maca and greens. And so they're, they're soy-free, they're gluten-free, they're dairy-free, and they're non-GMO. What's, and they what's, get me through. Hmm? What, sorry, what, what's the like, basic break, breakdown in terms of the three food groups when you, when you add it all up? Is it, you know, when it's, you say, pro, you, know, you, know, you know what I'm saying, protein, carbs, yeah, so it's, fat. It's, yeah, so the it's 11 grams of protein, okay. 12 grams of fiber. So that's a lot of fiber. Yeah, that's hard to get. 270 calories, but they're, it's a 60-gram bar. Most bars are 45 grams. So you have to look at the weight. It's only 5 grams of sugar. There's no added right. sugar. So, you know, you got it's, it's very nutrient-dense. I mean, those bars are heavy. That's why right. they get you through to lunch. And, you right. know, because I can get through a three-hour bike ride with a bar. It's, it, there, there's healthy fats in there, a lot of fat. And I'm curious, so you've got it. you know, it's, the fat MCT thing is important. Oil, I put MCT right. oil in there. Yeah. Right, so the fat thing is important because otherwise you just never feel sated, you know. Well, and so yeah. for processing, people just sort of forget that fact, and I'm sure it's not... It's not saturated. You're dealing with proper fats and so forth and good yeah, fats. We've I'm, talked about that before with the yeah. uh, MCT lean. But I'm curious, when, how did you uh, decide on a vegan protein over uh, a milk-based protein? And do you have strong preferences in that direction? Not really, other than many people are have sensitivities to dairy. But, you know, I lead these three programs, these 14-day challenges called the 14-day transformation. And when we do that program, we do eliminate an experiment by eliminating gluten and right. dairy and sugar. And lactose, yeah. So so I so those transformation bars are cleanse friendly. Got it. And that's Got what it. That's when, a, good when idea. somebody gets my cleanse, I send them a box of bars and that's your three o'clock snack. Got it. I make it easy. Yeah. Got it. How about the water intake uh, with the with the bars that you make, Karen? I would drink it. I mean, I love it with a big hot tea or water. I mean, drink it with a full glass of water. You it's probably you I'm guessing when you eat it you want to have a drink with it. Yeah, they are delicious, yeah. though, and I, I'm real Thank picky you. about those bars. And Karen, no, they are. They're delicious, and I feel like I'm eating something healthy, and mm-hmm. uh, it's it's good stuff. So, again, where can people buy them? They can buy them on Amazon. They can buy them on my website, KarenMalkin.com. East Bank Club has them. Good um, for you. A few, you know, good personal you. trainers on the North Shore that have them, but my website and Amazon. And then I also have on my website, KarenMalkin.com, 450 free recipes. If you check out the snack section under Karen's Faves, 
those are all my recipes for like my homemade bars. And so you don't even have to buy them. You can just make them yourself. But if you don't want to make them yourself, then I think these are just a I'm, great bar. I'm very you know? happy for you to make them for me. Just so, just let's <laughs> go on the sure record. You are, right. Yep. That's what most of my clients just want to made for them. So yeah. this is a done for you. Well, you're doing a great job, Karen. Thank really. you. Karen, how do we identify them on Amazon? Um, oh, Karen's Transformation Bars. There you go. Might okay. even be Karen's Super, Transformation Superfood Bars. Good stuff. Karen's got... Natural Superfood Bar Transformation. Yeah, it's on there. You're the best. We're out of time, Karen. We've got to keep you. moving, but congratulations, okay. and I uh, love the uh, transformation bars. Thanks for joining us and uh, letting some uh, letting our listeners hear on what we should be avoiding and what we should be looking for in the nutrition bar. Karen Malkin, board-certified health coach and environmental toxin specialist, back with more in our Ask the Doctor segment after this, only on The Score. You're listening to Sports Medicine Weekly with Dr. Brian Cole and Steve Cashel on 670 The Score. Net proceeds from our show, Sports Medicine Weekly, go to support orthopedic research at Rush through the liveactivenow.org fund. Back on this Saturday morning, Steve Cashel, Dr. Brian Cole. It is Sports Medicine Weekly, Chicago's premier sports medicine program. Dr. Cole, let's talk a little bit about eSport, a form of electronic gaming also known as professional or competitive video gaming and it is growing at a rapid pace worldwide i know would you when you were when your kids were younger were they doing like video games you know xbox and things like that they Was still it? are i mean i've got 12 and 14 and the 12 year old is doing that uh what do we call it Fortnite. yeah he's Fortnite, obsessed that's huge fortunately yeah. he plays three travel sports so we get him out a lot it helps in the summer we get him out more but Every, you know, he'll wake up and he'll play it and he'll go as long as he can. And I hate it. My yeah, wife I mean, hates it. <laughs> I, so this, this eSport thing has recently come to my attention. And so mostly through some of my partners, my hand and wrist partners, there are now 50 colleges that have established varsity gaming teams, right? I mean, think about it. These 50. guys are, yeah, 50. And they're spending, allegedly they're spending between three and 10 hours a day on electronic gaming. So you know, there's the obvious, the sedentary issues, obesity, things like that, and, you know, all the things that tie into that. But there's actually now, what I, there was a recent report that showed that, well, eye fatigue, okay, you know, go figure, 56% of them complain of eye fatigue, but neck and back pain in 42% of them, 36% of them had wrist pain, and 32% of them had hand pain. So, I mean, you know, we don't really, these are like overuse injuries. It's an occupational hazard, but they're sitting Gaming, it's nuts. It's crazy. <laughs> and have you ever seen a patient come in for gaming problems? So, because I, you know, most of my practice is shoulder, elbow, knee. You know, unless they're doing like Wii or something like that, I'm not so certain that uh, they're, I'm going to see those types of injuries. But right. my, my partners, I understand, are seeing hand and wrist pain. And they're getting things like carpal tunnel, overuse, numbness in the hand, and things like that. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. That being said, it's a real sport, and it's it's actually becoming a whole area of commerce, and it's. It's a, from a financial perspective, it's enormous. So obviously, wherever there's uh, numbers of people like this, there's got to be some business in the background. Uh, so I guess they're going to be building physician practices. What do you? What's a takeaway? What do you suggest to parents out there, or even people who might be gaming adults? I mean, I, I know some people. There's one NBA announcer I know that gets bored and uh, he'll stay up all night and he's right. playing those, you know, whatever those. 
game those games are, you know, fight against this or whatever. Sure. Uh, you know, look, I think it's intuitively, intuitively obvious. If someone's spending between three and 10 hours a day sitting and doing something like this, so eye fatigue, right? So that's not something that's permanent, obviously. But, you know, it's like reading a book for three to 10 hours. You're, if you don't give it a break, you're going to get you, that's going to happen. I think the bigger one, you know, about half of them have neck and back pain. So if this is your gig, you're an e-gamer. Uh, and um, I think that it, I bet it's postural. So I'm sure the individual is sitting hunched over over the controllers and things like that. So this can happen with even me, with me in surgery. If I'm sitting and doing surgery for eight, 10 hours a day, I'm leaning forward, I do get neck and back pain. So really important to uh, retract the scapula, the shoulder blades, stand up straight, keep your head up straight, uh, extend your neck. In other words, push it back straight rather than uh, curving forward. Uh, so postural issues and periodic stretching and so forth probably makes a big difference. Same thing for things like wrist pain and hand pain. You know, this is just, if you have repetitive activities for up to 10 hours a day, it's inevitable that you, it's like an occupational hazard. As I said, that you're going to get hand and wrist pain. So you got to give yourself a break. I mean, you know what it really speaks to, Steve, is we see injuries and overuse problems when people don't give, them, give themselves a break and they're not cross-training, right? So we always say in a macroscopic way, kids, they've got to take two months off a year from doing a single sport. Uh, this is just sort of a microscopic uh, problem where people are doing this in a concentrated effort and they've got to give themselves a break and not, not, not to say cross-training, but probably should be doing something else. Uh, not the least of which, this isn't really a form of physical exercise. And most of these people were doing it in the college setting, 40% of them don't participate in any form of physical exercise. So I think it's a problem. I think now we have the sense of awareness uh, that uh, hopefully these, these young people will stay on top of it. It's not only young people, but this is a college setting where uh, the, these people, these kids need to uh, uh, be successful at school. Uh, some form of physical exercise beyond knee game has got to be important. So uh, the eSport athletes got to be uh, uh, on a high level of awareness. All right, next topic, Jillian Michaels, who's kind of a workout fiend and has made a lot of money, of course, very uh, effective uh, showing people how to exercise, uh, recently was quoted in a piece by a woman named Leah Groth on Livestrong.com, uh, slamming CrossFit, five reasons why she isn't a fan you know, we've we've talked about CrossFit in the past, and in fact, about three years ago, we published an article looking at the injury rate by survey of individuals participating in CrossFit. And you know, it's you know, I've never done it, and I will tell you, I see a large number of patients who come in the office who do or participate in CrossFit. And I think that you know, when I, when I read her article, I'll just summarize her findings. I think it's potentially true. You know, she says, look. The exercises are too complicated for the average person. I will tell you that the average 35 to 45-year-old uh, is not familiar with Olympic lifting, clean and jerks, and complex movement patterns. So when you're doing it in a group setting, it can be particularly challenging. There are not, there are often not doing it with progressions. You know, think about it. If you're walking in and you have to do clean and jerk or Olympic lifting, you've never done it before, the ability for the instructor to focus on you in the setting of a class when everyone's trying to get something out of this has got to be a real problem. So I think that's the first problem is that I know the exercise for the average person are too complicated. And if you've ever had the opportunity to work with a trainer, what they often do is um, they do progressions. So if they try and exercise with you, Steve, that you're having a hard time with, they back it down and they tr get the same muscle group, but they do a progression to the extent that it's more, it's easier for you to do. So I think that it probably lacks that. I know, uh, you know, there was the the inventory of these classes was uh, in high demand. I mean, the there were so many people that were into this and getting results. And I think a lot of the success came 
uh, because of periodicity and frequency. People just get addicted to it, and they're doing it not just three times a week. They're doing it five, seven times a week. And the challenge, I think, with that is probably keeping up with the instructors, the certification, and so forth. And I had you know, had spoken to a few people. We've had some people on our show, and they've clearly done a nice job at making sure that these people are properly certified to keep up their training. But I think, you know, truth be told, when the demand gets really high, I bet there's a challenge to get all these instructors in. Well, Michaels points out that to teach CrossFit classes, an individual only has to complete a weekend certification program. She quotes, quoted as saying, this to me can be a recipe for disaster. And we have all seen the CrossFit fail compilation videos on YouTube or Instagram, arguably for all the above reasons. You know, make yep. sure these people know what they're doing when they're running your class. Right, right. No, I, I think that's true. And, you know, and the other thing she brings up is that these are not really individualized workouts, and all of us have specific needs. I know, you know, I'm training for a specific purpose. I don't know what your purpose. It could be weight loss. It could be strength. It could be muscle mass. Um, all of those things are uh, important. And the other issue is because these individuals who are really, really into CrossFit aren't giving themselves a break, they're not giving themselves time for recovery. And I think that's a really valid point for any exercise. Uh, no matter how intense you're doing it, you've got to give yourself a break for recovery. And that means uh, foam rolling. That means stretching. That means a day off or doing something totally different. Uh, recovery, as we know, can involve sleep. It can involve massage. It can involve contrast baths. But the basic things are just doing something different to allow your muscles to regenerate. When you do heavy resistance training, what happens? You break down muscle. It builds up lactic acid, and you've got to replenish it. So with poor nutrition or improper nutrition or insufficient nutrition and not giving yourself a break, that could be a, that could be a particular problem. So you really need the variety and time for recovery. Okay, good stuff. Thank you, Dr. Cole. And time now for the staple of the show, Ask the Doctor segment. It's simple. Go to our website, sportsmedicineweekly.com, and on the homepage, you go to the right side of the screen and see the picture of Dr. Cole and yours truly. Just click on that link, and you can ask the doctor a question. First question in our show today, Dr. Cole, very simple. Does vitamin D supplementation reduce your chance of injury? You know, we have had an epidemic of vitamin D deficiency, even in competitive sports, because obviously they're always indoors. Uh, and in fact, some facilities will have uh, uh, tanning booths just to get vitamin D because you got to be outside. You got to get some sun. So uh, it's a real problem. And one of the questions that I often get asked, and I think it's a great question, is uh, can vitamin D supplements reduce injury rate? Now, I think the data is a little bit inconclusive. Uh, there is... Uh, uh, some data that suggests that injury rates can be uh, reduced. Uh, there's a group that had uh, ample vitamin D intake that was compared to one who had insufficient, and they reported a small but significant increase in muscle strength uh, that was also inversely related to the risk of injury. So they were able, vitamin D is really important for muscle rebuilding, uh, especially as part of recovery. So if you have insufficient vitamin D, we have a tough time rebuilding our muscle, uh, doing it optimally and in synthesizing protein and so forth. Uh, so similar to that, if you have ample muscle strength and you're rebuilding, you can imagine that injury rates can go down. So there is some early data that suggests that having sufficient vitamin D, and you should get your vitamin D levels checked by your physician, um, that the evidence is increasing that you can actually have a positive impact on reducing injury. All right, good stuff. Question number two Asking you this, I've read a lot of conflicting information about stretching before and after a workout. This is a great question. Can you please set the record straight? Because it's kind of, to me, it's like the chicken and the egg or the catch-22. It's hard to 
stretch before a workout when you're not warm. Yeah, this is also uh, this is a huge topic. In fact, Steve, we probably should revisit it again. But there's there's some actually individual, uh, excuse me, some some uh, new research that has basically shown us that static stretching, not dynamic, but just sitting there, you know, stretching your hamstring without movement, if you will, can actually actually reduce strength and um, can reduce uh, muscle accretion and so forth. And there's also data that shows it can reduce muscle power, uh, reduce force generation, and so forth. So the the old uh, dictum that stretching, static stretching is critical to before exercise is actually being challenged right now. And in fact, the American Council on Exercise is actually stating that um, you know flexibility training has become a, a vital component of well-rounded fitness pro well-rounded fitness programs. But the majority of the re- research today shows that static stretching, so holding a stretch in one position tends to be better suited at the end of the workout. So I don't know if you ever do these classes, Steve, like, you know, these body pump classes and so forth. I don't. They usually will do dynamic workouts uh, work uh, and to begin with, you know, dynamic activities to get your muscles warmed up. Right. And then after you do rigorous exercise, static stretching becomes a part of it, and that's okay. So the take-home is static stretching, probably not great before exercise. Dynamic warm-ups probably are to get the muscles plugged in and so forth, get rhythmic movements going in the right direction. After exercise, static stretching is part of the uh, recovery process. All right, good stuff. We're out of time. Many thanks to our producer, Shane Reardon. Our coordinating producer is Teresa Ann Seeger. Also want to thank David Cole for managing our Sports Medicine Weekly website and also our business operations. Then there's Samantha Smith from Midwest Orthopedics at Rush. For Dr. Brian Cole, I'm Steve Cashel saying so long. Thanks for listening to Sports Medicine Weekly here on 670 The Score. Up next on The Score, early odds with Joe Ostrowski. Talk with you again next week. Have a great Great Saturday, everybody. You've been listening to Sports Medicine Weekly, heard every Saturday morning at 8 with Dr. Brian Cole and Steve Cashel, only on Sports Radio 670 The Score and 670thescore.com, Chicago Sports Station.